0: Welcome to the show, I'm Philip. On the HAN Show, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Links to everything we do are in the show notes. On Mondays, we break down large trends from the news and discuss why it matters to you in our weekly Green Tagged series, co-hosted by Scott Swenson and myself, and check back tomorrow for our weekly Haunt News Roundup. Okay, here's this week's installment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. From our studios in Los Angeles and Abu Dhabi, this is Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Creative Development, and Scott... I think we have to talk about Universal today. Yeah,
1: um, so it was so funny because just just uh, I, I know most of our regular listeners know this, but Philip is the one who does all the heavy lifting when it comes to finding stories and that sort of thing. And um, I was ready to send this like five times um, as far as the Universal announcements that came out this week. And then I got to thinking, no, he's probably seen them about three times more than I have. So uh, yeah, let's dive in and talk about all things Universal, shall we?
0: Good grief. Uh. What surprised me, everybody, about this was how it really did surprise everybody. <laughs> so there are two different, yeah, normally really, information that, everyone was just like. Yeah, normally what?
1: information leaks and, and things, yes. you know, people have an inkling of, oh, they're going to make a big announcement and here's what it's probably going to be and yada, yeah. yada, yada, yada. But this was like yeah. several big announcements, just kind of like, it was like a one-two punch that came out of nowhere.
0: Yes. So, and we'll, we'll talk about maybe about why that was the case but there are two separate announcements we'll take them one at a time not together because we can talk about each one we'll start with the one for texas universal parks and resorts announces a -a one-of-a-kind theme park unlike any other in the world, specifically designed to inspire fun for families with young children. The new park concept, set in a lush green landscape and featuring immersive themed lands, celebrates Universal's iconic brand of entertainment, humor, and innovation, and brings to life its beloved characters and stories in ways that will wow even the youngest theme park goers. Obviously, I'm reading from the press release. I was going to say
1: that sounded remarkably <laughs> uh, remarkably concise, and very well positive for me. Yeah. No,
0: obviously, it's from, <laughs> the, the the proposed park will be designed to be more intimate and engaging for younger audiences, and will be sized for a regional audience. It will be full of family-friendly attractions, interactive and playful shows, character meet and greets, unique merchandise, and food and beverage venues. Although smaller in size, it will still carry the same quality of Universal's larger resort destinations. It's part of a 97 acre of land recently purchased by the company. The proposed park also has plans for an adjacent themed hotel room, like hotel expansion. So yeah, the rest of it is just uh, quotes from people. So the things that jumped out to me in this, and I'm gonna kick it over to Scott for his take too, but the thing that jumped out to me is how, much they are stressing that this is for a younger audience and that it will like wow younger younger park guests and it makes me think back to what we've been talking about quite a lot which was originally Scott's idea which is that there's kind of emerging opportunity in families and adults like basically both ends of the spectrum like we've been targeting the the tweens and the middle forever and now we have these two emerging sectors. And that is what I was thinking when I was hearing all of the families and the kids and the younger. And I thought it was also very interesting that they made such a point of saying it's going to be very different from what you expect. I'm not sure that I buy that it's going to be unique because the world is a pretty big place and there are a lot of experiences around it. I'm not sure it'll be, you know, that. But I do think it will be different than Islands of Adventure. And it makes me think it might be kind of like a stepping stone type of thing. Like it is for the kids just under... Like, if you're not old enough to go to Islands of Adventure, you can stay and go to this area. It's made for that age group. Uh, also interesting that it's in Texas, which is an emerging market that Scott has also done a lot of work in. And um, the last thing I'll say before I kick to Scott is that keep, everyone keep in mind, I know everybody's like frothing at the mouth here, but no dates have been announced. And look how long Epic took and look how long Tron took. Maybe that's a little bad because that was a long, a very long time for, for anything. But just keep that in mind, right? It's, and it's... Unlike the next story, this one is not going into an existing infrastructure. So it's kind of built from scratch type of thing. So just kind of I keep that in mind. And it makes me think of what we talked about also in our last one of our last shows, which was about is this universal kind of trying to mark their territory in a way, basically like send out announcements, get the feedback on it, mark their territory and, you know, kind of just, you know, push back against uh, against Disney's. Uh, community concept, basically. So, okay, Scott, tell me, what do you think? Well,
1: when I so when I first read this, um, and and this is going to sound like I'm being really snarky, but please, uh, especially the companies that I'm going to mention, please don't take it this way. When I first read this, I thought, oh look, Universal does Legoland. Um, yeah, in, because that's exactly what it is. That's that's how I read that's, it too. That's exactly yeah. what it sounds like. It sounds like it is um, the same approach. To the Legoland concept, but it's coming from a brand that has for years um, been known as sort of the bad boys, bad girls, bad people of theme park. They're the ones who didn't care how um, raucous or satirical or snarky they got. In their attractions, um, this was especially true, of course, with their Halloween events, which we'll get into in just a second. But um, even in their day product, in their in their regular product, the way they would approach things like Simpsons and the way they would approach things like um, like well, pretty much any one of their brands and any one of their their installations, there was a little bit more of a. a well, snarky is the only way I can describe it. Uh, it was a, there was a little bit of an edge yeah. to them that that uh, that you know Disney didn't necessarily have and and Six Flags couldn't necessarily afford. So they um this is this is unique. And I think part of the reason that we keep hearing them say it is for family audiences and family audiences and not what you expect and very unique and totally new, it's totally new for them. They really haven't, I mean, yes, there are, there are uh, children's areas in universal parks, that is true, but to do an entire park that is focused predominantly or primarily on families with young children, this is, um, this is new for them and certainly new for the, the universal brand, as far as I'm aware. There may be parks out there that I'm not aware of that are universal, but it is, it is a new concept for them. I think it is clear that they feel as though they need to expand their market and expanding their market mm. into Texas makes total sense. Um, <clears throat> as Philip mentioned, I have done some work uh, in San Antonio and in Houston and um, and then another project, perhaps uh, in another area of Texas that uh, the the this is this is very much a market. Um, it is and it is a market especially for um the locals to start off with, but one of the things that Texas is trying to drive more, more and more, more and more, is to become a destination market, um, and especially in the Dallas Fort yeah. Worth area, uh, there's there's lots yeah. and lots and lots of land, and um, you know that land traditionally has been used for for um, farming and ranching, and you know the, the running joke is things are always bigger and better in Texas. Uh, having worked there. <clears throat> they're they're usually bigger although now that I'm in in Abu Dhabi that's not necessarily the case uh, but they are certainly more spread out but the comparison since I am in the UAE the comparison of what's happening here and what could potentially happen in Texas is, is pretty similar actually because it's lots it's a place that has lots and lots of land there is a lot of money based on on oil to be fair and um, this mm. land needs to, potentially be repurposed into something that could be tourism-based. They both have pleasant climates. Um, so it's it's sort of like a, a microcosm of what's happening um, in the Middle East for, uh, for theme parks. And I think it's a very wise choice. I am curious to see how Universal pulls off a quote-unquote family market park. Um, and I mm-hmm. am equally as surprised... That you know, I, I jokingly said it's it's Universal does Legoland. Um, I'm surprised the, I'm surprised Lego didn't try to get in there, and maybe they have. I don't know. Um, but <clears throat> so I, I again, I think it's a I think it's a cool idea. To Philip's point, we'll see how far off it truly is, and because um, <laughs> again, I have no idea, and I don't think anyone does. I have no idea if they've even broken ground. Um, I have no idea how much has been developed, and so we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, time will tell. But I, but I think it, is certainly, it certainly reflects what we've been talking about, and that is that the family market, post-COVID, the family market is very, very important. And, um, you know, I, I think that people are also recognizing that when even young couples who don't have children are sequestered away for two years, they will soon have children, was that vague enough? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was that vague enough for a family <laughs> audience? Can I get away with that? Um, well. So I, I, I think that we're going to see. I think this is the, just the, the first announcement of this kind that we're going to see. Again, I've been wrong before, but I, I think that the the exploding and expanding family market, uh, even with the, the the bad boys of of theme park, um, is something that that we can we
0: can expect to see more of in the future. Do you think that what will differentiate them from Legoland is the IP? Yes. Is it just like an IP play? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, and I
1: wouldn't be surprised if the biggest part of the planning so far that has been done for this park is securing the intellectual properties for this park. Uh, Mm. You know, I I, I would think that they want to lock in uh, whatever intellectual properties they're going to. Because keep in mind, you know, this is something that, again... Having a change of venue, having a change of location, I have a much different understanding of how IP works in the world, and certainly in the United States. Keep in mind, Universal doesn't really own all the IPs that they utilize; they yeah. lease them. Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, I'm I'm staying. You know, within I'm I'm a five minute walk from from Warner Brothers World here in in Abu Dhabi, and it, it's odd to me to see brands that are here but that are also in universal parks and then i start to realize and i start to poke around and i realize wait no these are actually warner brothers brands that universal has leased so so again i think they're trying to secure um certainly the american rights uh if not the theme park rights for certain certain ip certain intellectual properties that will target this this younger family and i'm not certain what that is but um I'm curious to find out. You know, the only thing they really own that they that they utilize is, is classic monsters. Now, nothing would make me happier yep. than to do a kids yep. version of classic monsters, but that's that's a whole other story.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, right now the the rumor that's floating around is that it'll be DreamWorks, but I agree with you that Universal's track record of working with IPs is incredible, and we'll we'll talk about it as we go into this next story, their second announcement. But basically that's what each Horror Nights event mm-hmm. is, is them, you know, look at the weekend even, bringing it, I mean, they just, we'll talk about later as well their stuff in Japan. I think that it's one of those things where you don't think about it actively until you look back at it and say, oh, a big differentiator for the company is their ability to work with other IPs. Mm-hmm. And in that way, Disney is locked, and so is Legoland, they are locked, and it's going to be the same old song and dance, right? But then if you could bring in something else and they have track record of doing that and it was a family ip i think that could be could be pretty powerful so okay the second announcement that universal put out i think is the one at least all of our friends will not stop talking about again i'm going to read from the press release because i think there's a lot of details in Mm -hmm. here Straight from Universal Parks and Resorts, the creators of Halloween Horror Nights, the world's most popular global Halloween event, and I'll make sure we get that in there, comes a brand new permanent experience coming to Las Vegas. This original concept will bring to life Universal's vast library of classic horror films and today's most terrifying tales. With a variety of unique, immersive, fantastic, horror-centric experiences that surround high-energy food and beverage spaces by day turned haunting bars and eateries by night... The new concept makes the first time marks the first time Universal has created a permanent horror experience beyond its theme parks. It will deliver on the thrills and frights its horror fans have come to love and excite anyone looking for a new level of experiential entertainment. The space will also feature a continuously updated experience, must-see seasonal events, and one-of-a-kind merchandise. That's that's basically it. The rest is um the the last uh well the last thing I didn't mention this part. It's going to be located at Area 15 and from so this is a little convoluted but basically the new experience will be anchored will be the anchor tenant in the new 20 acre expansion of Area 15 but it's only occupying 110,000 square foot square feet which isn't isn't like you know that's a lot that's I think I believe that's around as much as Islands of Adventure I mean that is that's quite a chunk, but it just just to be clear, it is going into an existing structure there, which is Area Fifteen, and it is part of their expansion. Uh, and the reason I was reading the press release so weird is because I think there are clues in all of those uh, phrases that I kind of uh, hung up on. And uh, okay, Scott, what were you going to say before we discuss <clears throat> it? Before we discuss, I want you to go
1: back in the
0: press release,
1: and I would like for you to read again because mm-hmm. I want to I want to really focus on this. I want you to read the description that ends that 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 centers around the what the guest experience is going to be so by day and by night and 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 that that segment yeah. where it kind of it kind of hones in yeah. on here's what this is going to be.
0: Yes. A unique, immersive, fantastic horror-centric experience that surrounds high-energy food and beverage spaces by day, turned haunting bars and eateries by night. So, never once so, does it say a haunted house. So, I, it <laughs> never once says a haunted house. That or is a haunted maze. Thank you, thank you. And it, as you know, I mean, everyone listening to this knows we are friends with a lot of haunters, and that's that's what everybody is saying in the haunt community. And I've even seen a lot of news stations get it wrong where they're where they say that they're a, a year-round haunted attraction is coming back to vegas and blah 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 and i was like nowhere in this does it say that like and actually it specifically says not that <laughs> like it's it's not like they said it's going to be a horror experience and we're like oh halloween horror. No, no 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 it's specifically centered around food and beverage that transforms from day to night. Like that is, that is not a maze. That does not sound like a maze to, I don't know, it sounds like a maze to you. It sounds like a speakeasy to me. And honestly, it sounds like very similar to what you work on with the Vault of Souls. Like that's what it sounds like. It sounds like an adult centered kind of cocktail show cabaret horror experience that can then transition. Like they could change out the show and they could blah, 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 blah. But like, I mean, they say it, so I don't. I don't get where everyone is talking about a haunted. Well,
1: house. with the with the square footage, that's what suggests that it could conceivably include a haunted attract or a haunted maze or a haunted attraction. Yeah. Um, and let's also <clears throat> kind of put this in a frame of reference for people who are not familiar with Area 15 in Vegas. Um, this is where this is where Omega Mart is from. Meow Wolf. Um, mm-hmm. This is. It is in essence a. The easiest way—it's a, it's a shopping mall for immersive experiences and 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 bars and dining and whatever. I think it's the best yeah. way to describe it. Yeah. There's there's a bunch of these kinds yeah. of things, um, either directly connected with Area 15 or within walking distance across the parking lot. Um, so <clears throat> it is clearly trying to. Uh, Shoot where the ducks are flying, for lack of a better description, um, in Vegas. This is becoming a, a hot spot for these kinds of unique elements. Um, another thing I would like to point out is if you have a chance to actually see some of the announcements, and obviously my guess is fifty percent of the people listening right now have already seen this announcement. Um, if you ha- but mm-hmm. if you look at it closely, even the visual imagery that accompanies it suggests that it is. A haunted attraction. Even though they never really say it, and they specifically say that it's something else, they also know that when people think of Halloween Horror Nights, they think of haunted mazes. They think of of, of haunted houses. Yeah. So they're they're tying all that back in. It's also, <clears throat> and again, this is the this is the the marketing nerd in me. Um, I look at that image and I go, "Well, look at that! It's the same red. It's the same black. It's the it's all the yeah. same color scheme of every Halloween Horror Nights ad pretty much ever, no matter what they put in the foreground, this is always the background. Um, So they're really playing off of the, the, the popularity of, and um, so I, I, they're clearly, they're clearly using a brand. And what I think is really interesting and tying it back to the last story, what I think is really interesting is they're taking, they're, they're kind of bookending their, their, their target audience for their day product in their theme parks they're going younger and older, yeah. You know, yes. And to yes. be completely honest, you know, again, if you've ever been to Halloween Horror Nights, you know it is a giant drink fest. You know, the longest lines really. Yeah, the alcohol
0: is a money maker. Yeah, the
1: longest lines yeah. really are for the bars. Um, the 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 ones that take the most time are for the bars, and they even vend you know shots in the queues. So it's all about selling alcohol. So to do a yeah. a bar food eatery venue kind of thing kind of makes sense, kind of makes sense. And, and with this size footprint, it means that they can continue to grow and add, you know, virtual experiences and, and uh, one-on-one sort of immersive small group intimate shows or whatever. Um, There's a bunch of opportunity there based on guest response when they first opened. So, uh, yeah. Again, I don't think this is a bad idea, I, and I think we may be at a point, I don't know yet, but we may be at a point where a year-round haunted attraction can fly in Vegas.
0: Yeah, uh, There are some escape so, rooms there, but... Uh, yeah, it is... Uh, we talked uh, quite a while ago about the concept of, you know, would Universal be more profitable if they kind of basically discouraged anyone under 21 of attending horror nights so they could sell more alcohol basically and it kind of seems like someone else had that idea mm-hmm. and they were like oh what if we could just um in a different space where there's already naturally less children because of the environment you know because of the gambling and because of all that casinos let's just try it there and i you know but there's a lot of things that it could be and i'm not sure it's going to be a haunted attraction in the way that we think of it but there are some 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 background i just want to point out because uh, we did an article on this and i posted it around and let me just oh my gosh the the comments are are full of misinformation so let's let's kind of like just paint some background here so there was a year-round haunted house in vegas it was eli ross Goratorium and it did not work Mm -hmm. it opened it was only open for a year ish it you know it, it didn't really work out uh however year-round haunts do exist. There's quite a few of them, actually. There's one in Old Town, Kissimmee. They do exist. Generally, they're in areas where the property cost is cheaper, you know, like like Florida. they're Mm -hmm. in an area where, you know, you can, and especially in areas that have high foot traffic. So high foot traffic plus cheaper property, that's generally how you can get a year-round haunt to work. And it doesn't mean they're open, you know, like 24-7. A lot of them are only open on the weekends and they're kind of like an adjacent thing to do where there's other things to do. So if that's the model, it does work other places. And it's possible that they could have that as one piece of it, that then there's other, like the food and dining, and then it kind of upsells you into a haunt experience or whatever. But also remember that they tried a year-round haunt in the theme park in Hollywood, and that did not work, right? Walking Dead was pulled out, and this year it was completely refurbed into a temporary thing. But another thing with that is they are keeping that building as far as we know right now, they are keeping that space for Halloween horror nights. They're just building in it year-round like they do in Orlando, which could potentially be another model. Is they don't maybe they'll have a haunt there, but it won't be open year round because they've done that. That's what they do everywhere well. else, right? Uh and a few other things too, this this mixed concept also does exist. Again, these people are like crazy. But the the mixed, this kind of horror mixed concept does exist. I'm thinking of we we did a case study with Cody at Hush right where essentially he has like um main main walls that that make each room and then a lot of his uh his flats right come in and they're kind of st- put in for the season. So then in the off season, they come out and you end up with an event space that then you can have parties in, which he just did. He had a New Year's Eve party that was just a party. There was no haunt, you know, but it was inside the haunt because you're able to remove stuff. And he also did hidden bars, right? Which is a thing that that a lot of other people have been doing. He did hidden bars at the maze. So this is, none of this is new just for, you know, a lot of clarity, there's a lot of people kind of, uh, testing this business model and back to, um, back also even Bush Gardens, right? We, we covered this like, a weeks and weeks and weeks ago, but they have a permanent speakeasy that's in the park that does, uh, like $50 a person, low capacity little show experience that then changes and the cocktails change and the show changes and the actors lead everybody. I mean, that's, so I think a lot of people have been experimenting with this thing. It isn't really just, um, just Universal. Um, and the last thing I'll point out is Universal's experimentation in Japan, right? Universal has basically tried a Sleep No More version in Japan for Horror Nights. And I think, I don't know, a lot of people forget that or don't know that, but, but they've, so they've, I feel like if you look at the background, they have, there's a lot of history here and evidence for all of these different things that we've been talking about. And maybe, maybe it's, uh, like a Omega Mart, a horror or Omega Mart play, you know, which is now that that model has improved and they've already done it in Japan. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways it could go. I'm not sure it's going to end up as a year round haunt kind of experience. I think it's going to be more of something that tries to utilize multiple revenue streams and really make a good case for why people should come year round. Um, and then the last thing I will, I will note that is like freaking out about the the horror year round and that kind of a thing but we've also talked about this we have talked about the idea that horror is universal right horror is year round and if you can start to edge it away from just halloween which is kind of what they were doing at the weekend right it's kind of like edge it away and be like oh horror can be year round because what megan just came out right and everyone's talking about that i mean there's horror movies that release every month mm-hmm. so it's really like A thing, you know, that that is is a much bigger part of the market than haunted houses. As much as you know, we love haunted houses, but haunted houses are tiny compared to the overall horror scene, like the gothic horror scene that kind of exists in perpetuity. And again, you know, using their their potentially new license deals or monsters to kind of make that known, you know, that people I mean people watch those horror movies year round. They don't. We just had Friday the Thirteenth, and look at even the movie theaters brought back Friday the Thirteenth to play in movie theaters here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's my rant. No,
1: I, and so, and so I think all those points are very, very well taken. Um, I, I think it is. I think if people are expecting this to be uh, Halloween horror nights year round, it's not going to be, and and I think yeah. that the thing that is is unique. And and similar about both of the uh, universal announcements is that they're they're doing things that are a little bit outside their comfort zone. Um, they're a little they're doing things a little bit outside of their brand, and I think that's why they are trying so hard to let people know these will be unique and different, and excuse me, and uh, it, it, one of a kind, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not only is that good marketing, but it's also prepping the guests so that they don't come in expecting you know, ha- Halloween Horror Nights. Because I know people in Florida, for example, who go to Halloween Horror Nights every single year, and you ask, what was your favorite um, What was your favorite maze uh, this year? And nine times out of ten, they will say a maze from two years ago because they were too drunk to remember what it was. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, as long as they're having a good time, that's all that really matters. And they keep, you know, kicking out bucks. I don't think that's what this is going to be. Um, but it also may give them another location to do Halloween Horror Nights during Halloween because they did say in the press release that they were going to do seasonal... It has seasonal events. Seasonal events as well. So um, let's just say, and I I have no... This this has... There is no... um, I'm not breaking any NDAs because I don't do any work with Universal, but... um, this would make total sense to me to give them another place to rotate haunted attractions. So if they do yeah. uh, a new one in California, a new one in Florida, and a new and something new in Vegas, and then each year switch and rotate them, instead of getting double dollars, they get triple dollars. They get triple the amount of of use out of a single concept. Um, yeah. Now uh, you know I, whether they do this or not. I don't know. I would I would think they would because it makes total sense. Um, It is a little close to the California market, but I think it also brings in a very different audience than the California market. Um, And I think that, you know, people are going people who are in Vegas are going to um, if they are if they are horror fans, they're going to seek it out and
0: they're going to go. Um, yes. You know, you said... That's what I was going to say. I actually think that it will draw all of the people from SoCal, and I actually think it could be an interesting counterpoint, because, you know what, I know that here in SoCal, we like to, you know, everyone likes to think that they have the best haunt community, but we, we don't, because it's too expensive here, mm-hmm. and people can't buy the land, and they can't build stuff year-round, and they can't XYZ. So this is a giant building that they're going to have year-round, which is a haunter's dream. So a seasonal haunt could be a big thing, and and you people go to people drive it's only four hours it it, like that's as long as it would take you to get to san diego in traffic so it's i'm just saying like it's it's very close to to this area and i think that there's i think also it would allow them to bring a level of quality they just can't in hollywood because of the physical of the, the space limitations and all of that stuff you just can't they just can't do it as much as people love it here um, and the last point I'm going to say, I got a lot of comments saying how like, Universal wasn't scary and blah 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 blah, but that's not the point, right? Like maybe the marketing is like, oh, never go alone, blah 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 blah. And I know uh, Haunters, our haunt committee, we like to be like, oh, it's not scary, you know, blah blah blah. No, that's not the point. You know, the point is it's a big brand and fun, we talk about all the time, like fun, scary is what most people, the vast majority of people want and getting drunk, like getting drunk and getting startled and laughing at their friends. That is what most of the people want. And I think if you think of it in that context, then, you know, they're, it, it could be, it could be well positioned. Well, let me just,
1: let me just point out that, uh, the number one comment about any haunted attraction is, ah, that wasn't scary enough. It it happens everywhere, everywhere. And it's to the point now where that's why so much of the industry has kind of turned away from it. Um, It's like we're going to stop trying to to cap ourselves because there's always going to be somebody, no matter how much they screamed or even if they cried or wet themselves during the experience, they will come out and say it wasn't scary enough. So that's just a given. Um, But it sounds like this location, this brand, you know, you said uh, earlier, Philip, you said that it, it has to have a lot of foot traffic and um, lower rent, basically, yep. Um, yep. Yep. <clears throat> for Vegas, Area 15 is yep. still lower rent than the Strip. It's that's going to change, but it is for those again for those who haven't been there, it is off Strip. Um, it mm-hmm. does it's a cab ride away or an Uber ride away. Um, so it is you have to go to Area 15 and you are captured there, which I think works to their advantage because you know yep. when I went, for example, when I went to Omega Mart um, the last time I was in Vegas. I checked out some of the other stuff in Area 15, so um, it kind of has it kind of has all the earmarkings of success, but success in the Vegas market. You know, it's not yeah. it's not cheap. It's not low rent district because there's n- no such thing in the Vegas market, really. But it's lower rent, and there's plenty of foot traffic. So it sounds like it's mm-hmm. a it sounds like it's a good plan. Um, so. Again, Universal, two stories, shooting where the ducks are flying, um, trying to capture two different markets or find new ways to integrate into two different markets. It sounds like sounds like a good plan. We'll see how they develop. And uh, we unfortunately are out of time. Uh, we didn't get to a bunch of other stories, but that's okay, because these were the important ones. These were the important ones. Let's talk about Universal. So um, on behalf of Philip and myself, Scott Swenson, we will see you next week here on Green Tag, Theme Park in 30.
0: Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant.